It is a wonderful blessing to be here once again. It has been a great gospel meeting thus far and week together with singing instruction and activities and time spent with one another. I hope that you've been enjoying this week as much as I have being here. Uh, Tonight we're going to open up God's Word together and it's always our prayer as we do that. That the things that we study will be beneficial to each and every one of us that are here. Now we're going to switch directions a little bit tonight. If I can, we've got to turn it on. There we go. We're going to switch directions. Uh, Last couple of nights, we've talked about first principles. We've talked about Jesus. We've talked about salvation. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through the week. But tonight, I want to focus in on an aspect of the Christian family. Now, this sermon comes out of a series on the Christian family that's based around Psalm 127 and verse 1. This scripture says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And I believe that as we, as family members, wherever we find ourselves within a family, whether we're a child, we're a parent, a husband, a wife, a grandparent, a great-grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, wherever we find ourselves in the family dynamic, that our families should be built upon the Word of God and that successful families are families that are built upon the things taught in God's Word. And so tonight, I want to talk a little bit about that, but specifically as it relates to our young people. And so this sermon is specifically titled, Growing Up in Christ. And so I want to ask you if you're in the audience tonight and you are a child, and in this case we're going to define that as living in your parents' home under their authority. Okay, so if that's you, you might be four years old, you might be 17 years old, but if you are living underneath your parents' roof under their authority, uh, then this message is for you tonight. And we're going to focus in on some things that hopefully will be helpful to you. So Psalm 139 and verse 14, David is writing here and he says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. I want you to know first of all tonight, if you're a young person in the crowd, that you are special and that God has created you for a purpose and for a reason. I want you to know that despite all of the different things that we might hear out in the world about why we're here, that God has made you for a specific reason. And that reason is that you would give him glory and praise in your life. And that ultimately that you would be saved by his son, Jesus, and that you can spend eternity in heaven with him. And so I know that seems a long way off for you. If you're a kid in the crowd tonight, heaven and death and all those things are years and years and years and years and years away. And we don't think about that when we're young, but I want you to know that you are special. And sometimes kids find themselves in situations, unfortunately, sometimes that's a family dynamic, sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's other relatives or other people that make them feel devalued. And sometimes there's people that make you feel like you're not worth anything. And I want you to know that that's not true. That every single person that God creates has value and has worth. And so the first thing that I want you to know tonight is that, that as a young person here tonight, you are special and you are created for a reason. Secondly, I want you to know that God wants you to seek him and to want him, to want a relationship with him. Matthew 19, 13 says, Then were there brought unto him little children, that he, Jesus, uh, should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to think about this picture here for a moment. We've talked about Jesus a little bit this week already, right? And so you've got the Son of God, the Savior of the world, down here on earth as a person, and these little kids start running up to him. And his followers are going, hey, back up, kids. Get away from the Savior, right? Get away from the Son of God. Don't bother him. And Jesus says, stop. Let them come. And he brings those little children in, and he cares about them, and he shows them love, and he shows them that they're valued. 
And he wants those kids to want to come to him. And I want you to know tonight that if you are a young person here, God wants you to want a relation. He desires that with you. But he's not going to force you. Because here's the thing about God. God has given all of us free will. He's given you the right to choose. You can choose whether or not you want to seek God or not. But what I want you to know is that God is asking you to come to him. And he's not ever going to stop you. And there's no one that can stop you. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. God wants a relationship with you. I also want you to know tonight that God gave you parents to help you. Now we're going to make an assumption tonight. And that assumption is that if you're here in this building, then you have parents or a parent or grandparents or an aunt or uncle or someone that brought you that is a good godly influence in your life. Maybe you chose to come here and be here by yourself. And that's great too. But if you're here, there is probably someone that's a good godly influence in your life. Hopefully that's your parents. God's design in the home is that parents are good godly parents trying to raise good godly kids. And what I want you to know specifically about your godly parents tonight is that they're not going to be perfect. They're not going to do everything right with you. You're not always going to agree with them. You're going to get into arguments at times. It was not that long ago that I remember being in, in my parents' house as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, and I remember some of the arguments. I remember some of the disagreements very well. But he gave you parents to help you become a good adult. Because what we find is that despite what we sometimes think as young people, we think we can do everything on our own. We think we know everything. And if we raise ourselves and if kids raise themselves and don't have parents that are being good, godly influences in their life, what we find out is that kids really can't raise themselves very well. Sorry if that bursts your bubble, but parents are important. And God has given you parents for a reason. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Notice the end part of that phrase, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now this is a general truth, all right? And here's the general truth, young people. The way that you're acting now as children and as young people, it's going to have a long-lasting effect on the type of adult you are 10 years from now and 20 years from now and 30 years. A lot of the habits that are going to be with you for life, a lot of the, the personality traits, the preferences, the, all those things, they're forming now. Now, as parents, that should be a reminder to us to make sure that we're parenting correctly and well. But as kids and as young people, I want you to know that the things that you're doing now, they're going to affect you later. They are going to affect you later. And if you want to be a good, godly, successful adult someday, you need to be focused on being that as a child or a young person now. If you live in rebellion to your parents and you're constantly disrespectful and you don't listen and you don't apply the wisdom they try to share and you're going to go your own way and be rebellious, that rebellious heart is easy to carry over from parents to God and begin to treat God the same way that you're treating your parents now. And that's dangerous. And so appreciate the parents that you have if you've got godly parents in your life. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Young people, I want you to know that God wants you to be raised a certain way. He wants you to be exposed to him, to scripture, to Bible study, to church, to meetings like this, to good opportunities to fellowship with other Christian young people. God wants those opportunities for you because it will help you to be raised into a good godly adult. He wants your training to be in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and he's given that job to your parents. So give a little bit of grace to mom and dad when they make mistakes. If you've got good godly parents who are trying, appreciate them for trying. Appreciate that they have a big job and it's a hard job. And I can tell you in the nine years that I've been a parent, it's a hard job. 
I appreciate the parents that are trying hard. Proverbs 29 verse 15 says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You know, this verse is talking about discipline and hard instruction, those hard moments where you may butt heads with mom and dad, where mom and dad may have to get onto you or discipline you in some way to remind you that there's consequences for bad choices. And what they're doing is they're modeling for you a truth that exists for the rest of your life because there are consequences to bad choices. Whether you're five or 15 or 25 or 55, there are consequences to bad choices. And so your parents disciplining you, getting you in trouble, whatever that may look like, they're doing that if they're good godly parents, not to be mean to you, not because they don't like you, but because they love you and they want the best for you. And they know that if you don't understand now that there's consequences for actions, then you won't understand that later. And when you're an adult and you're on your own and you're making all those choices on your own and you still don't recognize that dumb choices carry with it consequences, then you can get yourselves into a whole heap of trouble. And so your parents are trying to exercise their duty as parents. So what is God asking of you in this relationship? He's asking you, first of all, to obey your parents. Ephesians 6 verse 1, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. You know, this is a verse that we often want our children to memorize. Both of my boys have this verse memorized. There's a reason for that because it's a reminder that what God is asking of you as young people is to obey your parents. Now, as parents, the age of the, of the child, right, depends on kind of how this is applied. And as young people, I want you to know if you're an older young person today, you have a lot more ability to, on your shoulders, to choose to do this. Because there comes a point where mom and dad aren't going to discipline you the same way they disciplined you when you were four. It doesn't make sense to do that at a certain point. And so if you're a teenager, if you're an older young person, then you have a responsibility to recognize that God is asking you to obey your parents. He's asking if you will be willing to do that, to submit to them and to respect them. Verse two says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, honoring is a little bit different than obeying. Obeying, we get it, right? Obeying means do what they say. So they ask you to take out the trash, take out the trash. If they ask you to make sure your room's clean, clean your room. Whatever it is that they're asking you to do, that's obeying. Now, here's the thing. With obeying, you can do that with a good attitude or a bad attitude, right? Now, I remember there were lots of times where I obeyed what my parents told me to do, and I grumbled and complained the whole time, and I had a terrible attitude about it. Now, this attitude concept goes a little bit more into this idea of honoring them. Instead of just obeying them, God is asking you also to honor mom and dad, and that honor is a higher level of appreciation for them. It essentially means to prize or to revere. In the Hebrew, it's to make weighty. Now, have you ever thought about your parents as being a prize? Like you won a prize for having the parents that you have. Most of us as kids don't think about our parents as being a prize or someone, someone to revere and think about, I've just won the lottery with these people. Now, we get a little bit older and we appreciate mom and dad. And we do feel that way sometimes, that I, I did win a prize by having mom and dad. But I want you to know as young people, but that's what this word means, to honor them, to see them as valuable, to see them as important. And specifically, as we think about that Hebrew definition, to make weighty. All right, now here is a picture of a scale, right? And it's got these gold coins on it. And so here's the idea that I want you to take away from this honoring your parents concept. Here it is. Your parents tell you something, and then your friends tell you something. Which one do you put more value on? What your parents say or what your friends say? If you honor mom and dad, if you see them, as a prize, as something to someone to revere, to see 
what they're saying and what they're doing as more weighty or more important. It tips the scale. It's more weighty. They tip the scale. And you say, I'm listening to mom and dad. I'm going to respect them. I'm going to care more about what they say than what my buddy says. I'm going to care more about what they say than the person down the street says because I see my parents as weighty. Now, my recommendation would not be to go home and say, mom, you're weighty. She might take that wrong. So just be careful of your words. But in concept, think about that, that your mom and dad should be of more importance and more value. They're the bigger side of the scale. You should see them as more important than any other voice in the room. That's honoring mom and dad. Now, verse three gives us a practical reason why you should do that. It says that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. So there's a lot of ways that we can look at this, but I wanna take just the simplest application of this, all right? Part of being a parent, a big part of being a parent, especially with young children, is keeping them alive, right? It's protecting them. It's stopping the kid from running into the street where traffic is. It's stopping them from continuing to touch the really hot thing and burn themselves, right? It's taking care of that baby and making sure that there's nothing that's gonna smother the baby or harm the baby when they're in bed or all those things. A big part of parenting, especially when kids are young, is keeping them alive. As kids get older, parents still do that but it changes the way that they do that instead of those actual physical acts of making sure the bed's clear or making sure the kid doesn't run out in the road. What your parents are doing for you is they're teaching you. They're talking to you. They're giving you advice. They're coaching you. They're training you. They're trying to instill their wisdom in you to help you to grow up healthy and happy and have a long, fantastic life. If your parents don't care about you, and they never teach you right and wrong, and they never teach you consequences of actions, and they don't stop you from running out in the middle of the road into traffic, there's a good chance you don't live a good long life. And if you're a headstrong teenager that refuses to listen to your parents, that don't see them as someone to be valued and honored, and you're rebellious, and you're gonna do your own thing, chances are you're gonna do some dumb stuff. And that dumb stuff very easily could tear your life apart or end your life. The reality is parents have an important job and kids, young people, have an important responsibility to listen, to obey, to honor, and to respect those parents that are doing that hard job. So that ultimately, it's better for you guys. Your life will be better five years from now and 10 years from now and 20 years from now if you do that, if you listen to those good godly influences. Proverbs chapter one, verse eight and nine says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother for they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head and chains about thy neck. Now, how many of you specifically as we think about teenagers in the crowd, how many of you have ever zoned out during a lecture that your parents were giving you and your eyes were still open so that you know they would think you're listening, but you've totally just zoned. I mean, that happened. I've done that when I, was, when I was younger. It's easy to do. You know what this verse is saying? Hear the instruction of your father. Don't forsake the law of your mother. Don't zone out. Don't think what they're saying is dumb. There may be, even, even be times, there will be times where you disagree with them, what they're telling you. And maybe your disagreement is valid. Maybe it isn't. But what I wanna encourage you to do is to listen, to listen and take it in. Because if you can take it in, it will make you a better person for it. You can evaluate the advice. You can evaluate what they're telling you and you can try to apply it in a way that's gonna help you. But if you zone out and you don't listen, you're not getting it. You're not getting any of it and they're trying to help you. So don't forsake the law of your mother, the instruction of your father. Pay attention when mom and dad are trying to tell you something and talk to you about something that's important. Now, 1 Timothy 4 verse 12. This is an important scripture when it comes to talking to our young people. And so I wanna spend a few minutes here on this passage. I want you to know Paul's writing to a young man, Timothy. 
And Timothy was a young evangelist who was trying to do church work. He was young, not sure exactly what his age was here, but young enough that Paul says, let no man despise thy youth. So basically he's saying, don't let your young age get in the way of the ministry and the work that you're trying to do. But instead, be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Now there's other scriptures that tell us a little bit about Timothy. Timothy, when he was a child, was raised by a godly mother and a godly grandmother. He had a father, but his father wasn't uh, Jewish or Christian. His father was a Greek, was a Gentile. And so really it was his mom and his grandmother that raised him as a good godly person. And the scripture tells us that from a young age, Timothy knew the Bible. He knew scripture. He had memorized scripture. He had studied it as a kid. All right, so this is who Paul's talking to. And he says, be an example of the believers. So here's what I wanna ask you tonight. If you're here and you regularly go to church, right? And you're a, a part of a family that comes to church, what kind of example are you setting right now tonight for the other young people that are in this building? What type of example are you setting to your younger brother or your younger sister who's sitting down the pew or in a different part of this building than you? What type of example are you setting for the kids at school? about what Christian kids should look like and how they should act? What kind of example are you setting for the old people in the room who maybe need to see a good example of Christ lived out in a young person? Is that you? Do you care about that? Do you care about being a good example of Christian things? Or are you more concerned about yourself? More concerned about what's going on on your social media? More concerned about the video games that you wanna play at home? More concerned about going out and doing foolish things with your friends? Or do you care about being a good godly example? Because what Paul was asking Timothy to do and what God through the scripture is asking every young person in this building tonight to do is to set an example. And specifically in these six areas, he says in word. So I want you to think about word, right? That's what comes out of our mouth. So are you being a good example of Christ in the things that you say? Are you speaking kind things to people? Are you nice to people? Or are you rude and harsh and disrespectful? Do you speak truth and honesty and stop yourself from telling lies, even when it's convenient and easy to do, or you know it would get you in trouble? Do you choose to tell the truth? Because the truth is important. And setting in a good example of Christ means speaking honesty and not lies. What about the language that you use? You know, there may be kids or young people around you that don't go to church that use foul language and cuss words and say things, inappropriate jokes. Do you participate in those things? Do you say those cuss words or use that foul language? Do you repeat that inappropriate joke? Do you laugh at it? Or do you say, I'm gonna be a good example of Christ in the things that I say. And I'm gonna make sure that what comes out of my mouth is good things, that helps people, that builds up people, that encourages the person who's alone or the person that's sad or the person that needs a friend or whatever the case may be. I'm gonna speak good things and kind things. I'm gonna be respectful to mom and dad and I'm not gonna be harsh and rude with them. He says that you should be an example of the believers in conversation. Now that's just King James. It's an old way of saying behaviors the way that you live, the choices that you make. Now, I wanna tell you kids, there's gonna be a lot of, t of, of opportunities probably in your life, whether it's, it's other friends or other influences that you have, where you may have the opportunity to start diving into some behaviors and stuff that aren't good and that aren't godly. Experimenting with alcohol, experimenting with drugs, or with pornography, or with sexuality. And there's a lot of things today that are, are temptations for young people, and that when other young people aren't raised in church. They're doing these things and they're encouraging you guys to do these things. But what this is saying is that you need to be a good example in your behavior, in the choices that you make morally, in the way that you live your life. 
And so you need to be the person that's able to say, I'm not interested in that. I don't want that. I'm doing something different. I'm living a different way. Do you care about that? Do you care about the choices that you make, the actions that you take? God's asking you to set an example. In charity, that's love. Think about your mom and dad for a moment. You know, there are times in a parent's life where, you know, you'll always love your kid, but they're really hard to like in that moment. Don't make it hard to like. Of all the people in your life, young people, that you need to be showing love to, it's your mom and dad. It's your parents. It's your family. It's your grandparents. It's those godly influences in your life. Make sure that they know that you love them. And then extend that love out to other people too in the kindness that you treat other people with, in uh, opening the door for somebody at church, in shaking hands with somebody that's older. You know, a lot of times as young people, we like to run off and play with the kids our age, right? But you know what makes an older person in the church happier than almost anything is when a young person walks up to them and says, hi, how are you doing? And shakes their hand or gives them a hug. And you can do that. That's you showing love. It's being an example of Christ in love that you show to other people. Don't be afraid to do that. In spirit, this goes back a little bit to the attitude that we've talked about, that you're an example of Christ in the attitude that you show. Now, teenagers are notorious for being grumpy and having bad attitudes and uh, not being super respectful and all of those things. Hopefully there's no teenagers that fit that description in this building tonight. Hopefully you're all extremely positive people that never have a bad day. But I wanna tell you that happens to all of us at times. We can get in a bad attitude and just where we're, we end up not treating people right because we're just kind of in a zone of negativity but especially that can be a danger for you guys. And I wanna encourage you to work on your attitude. Make sure that you're waking up and you're positive and you're approaching life with that attitude that says this day's gonna be good. And I'm gonna do what I can to be helpful to somebody, to make a difference in somebody's life, to show mom and dad that I care about them, that I honor them, to show my friends at school that uh, I'm an example of Christ in these areas and that you have an attitude that you live with that's of cheer and joy and happiness. Sometimes that's easier for the girls than it is for the guys. It's a little harder sometimes for the guys as teenagers to feel that and to wake up with and, and, and have a big smile on your face. But try to be positive about life and have a good attitude, especially when you have a disagreement with your parents. You know, attitude was a word I heard a lot when I was a young person from my father because I was, I, honestly, I was pretty good at the obey part. I mean, I, I recognized that I needed to obey and so I did. I was not quite as good at the attitude part. And the honoring part. So I heard this word attitude a lot. I'm doing what you told me to do. I know, but you're grumbling and whining and complaining. You have a horrible attitude about it. And I thought that as long as I was doing it, that was fine. What my parents tried to get me to understand was that attitude means a lot in life. And that how you approach a, even a negative situation or a hard situation, a disagreement with your parents, doing something you don't want to do, if you approach it with a good attitude, you're going to have a way more enjoyable time doing it than if you approach it with a negative attitude. And it's gonna help your relationship with your parents. It's ultimately gonna help your relationship with God. In faith, to be an example of faith. Young people in the crowd tonight, if I were to ask you how many Bible verses you have memorized that you could quote for me, I wonder what that number would be. If I were to ask you some basic Bible questions, some basic doctrinal things that we teach, some basic things that Jesus taught, I wonder if you would know the answer to that. Paul told Timothy to be an example of the believers in faith. And that faith means you believe in God and in Christ. And you are spending time getting to know God, studying the Bible, 
paying attention in church, not sitting there on your phones and scrolling on whatever social media of choice while somebody is up here droning on and on like I am. What God wants you to do is to be an example of faith, to be a young person that says, I care about God, I care about Christ, and I care about setting a good example for others. So I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna pay attention and I'm gonna participate and I'm gonna be involved. And when singing instruction is happening, I'm gonna sing. And I'm gonna make sure when these young guys get up here to lead songs that I'm participating, I'm paying attention and I'm singing because it's helping them to learn. And and if I'm a young man and I don't know how to lead a song, I'm gonna have the courage to say, you know what? I wanna get up here and I wanna learn that because I wanna be a good person of faith. And if I'm a, a young lady in the crowd, I'm gonna ask some of these older ladies that are good godly Christian ladies, I'm gonna ask them for advice. And I'm gonna say, if you were me, what would you be focused on? What would you be studying? What would you be doing to be a good young woman of faith? And I'd listen and I'd pay attention. You wanna be an example of faith? You have to be intentional about it and work at it. And to be an example of purity, purity, it's hard today. Our society is full of a lot of stuff, a lot of bad stuff, a lot of stuff that'll tempt you, a lot of craziness out, that's out there. Things that are being taught today that are just wildly contrary to what God has said in the Bible. But remember, you have good godly parents or grandparents or aunt and uncle or whoever that influence is in your life. You've got those people in your corner to help you if you're struggling, to help you to know how to deal with those difficult situations and maintain purity in your life. And all that means is you're not gonna get down and dirty in sin and choose to walk away from God and participate in things that you shouldn't. You're gonna choose as much as you can to make the right decision. When a decision is presented before you, Sometimes it's not the easiest path. In fact, most of the time, the right way is the harder way. But a young person that wants to be an example of purity is a young person that's gonna say, I'm gonna make the hard choice because it's the right. And that's what I know God wants from me. Your choices as a young person matter. Proverbs 20 verse 11 says, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. You ever been in a situation where you heard somebody say, and I know some of the parents and older people will relate, but... There's somebody's kid, I mean, is just running up and down the pews, knocking stuff over, just not being well behaved. And it's that kid that all the adults kind of go, whew, whew, that's a, that's a toughie. And then, and then they, the nice way of describing the child is to say, that's the mischievous one. He's pretty ornery, something like that. But everyone in the room kind of knows, man. And that way that that kid behaves is a reflection upon whom? His parents. Mom and dad, it's just the reality. Now, kids are gonna be kids. We all recognize that. Kids are gonna be kids. But they are a reflection on our parenting, the way that they behave. So what I want you as young people to know is that your choices matter because people are watching and they are seeing. And everyone in the congregation has formed some type of opinion. Not that I'm saying you should care ultimately more about what people think. You should care about what God thinks first. But everyone in here has formed some type of opinion about everyone else in here based upon the way that we act and behave ourselves. And even as young people, that's true. You're setting an example for others, whether good or bad. You have a perception and a reputation that's either good or bad based upon the way that you behave. Titus 1 verse 6 says, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. I want you to know this, kids. This verse is talking about the, the qualities of an elder in a congregation. And I want you to know that part of what makes a man able to be an elder in a congregation is the way that you act and behave. Now, obviously, the parent, the father is ultimately responsible for that raising, but you as a young person can influence whether or not your dad 
can serve in leadership in a congregation or can serve as an elder in a congregation. I just want, to, I want that to impact you. That your choices as a young person can impact whether or not the church says your dad is a good man to lead the congregation. Your choices matter. Your behavior matters. Your words matter. The way that you live your life matters. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Start now. Focus now on all these things that we've talked about tonight, and you'll be okay down the road. I want to talk to you real quick about a young man named Josiah. Josiah was a eight-year-old boy in the Old Testament when his dad died. Now, his dad was king. And so guess what? This eight-year-old boy, Josiah, becomes the king of Judah at eight years old. Now, I know we've got some kids in the crowd that are around eight years old. And can you imagine at eight years old becoming the king of an entire country, the ruler of an entire country? And this is what Josiah did. It says Josiah was eight years old and he began to reign and he reigned in Jerusalem one and 30 years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Now here's something interesting. Josiah's dad was an evil guy and his granddad was an evil guy. And so all indications were that Josiah probably would follow in the footsteps of his dad and his granddad and be an evil king and a bad king. But he wasn't. At eight years old, he becomes king. And in the eighth year of his reign, so let's do a little math. He's eight. He's in the eighth year of his reign. He's either 15 or 16, somewhere around there. He's a teenager. At the eighth year of his reign, when he was young, he began to seek after the God of David. As a 15, 16-year-old boy leading a country, he said, we're not following after God, and we need to be. And he began leading a charge in Judah to turn things back to God and turn the country back to God. And he actually began going and purging the land of all false idols. All of those things that they were worshiping that, are, that were false gods. This 15, 16 year old boy began going through and saying, we got to get rid of all this stuff because this isn't making God happy. This isn't what God wants. We got to get back to serving God. And as they're destroying all those false idols and they're turning the country back to God, he actually commissions the rebuilding of the temple here at this particular time. He sends some people to begin to restore the temple. It had been crumpled and, and damaged and not used because they had turned away from God. And so as they're doing that, they find the book of the law. They find the Old Testament law, the Mosaical law. And so they began reading through that. And Josiah goes, man, look at all this stuff that we've been doing wrong. And he gathers all of the people before him. And he says, from this day forward, we're doing what's in this book because we want to be pleasing to God. And we want to turn this country away from the false gods and the sin and all the things that we've been doing before. And we want to serve God. Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertain to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days, they departed not from the following of the Lord, the God of their fathers. Now, do you think your choices as a young person matters? Josiah's did. Josiah as an eight-year-old becoming king to a 15, 16-year-old boy choosing to begin to seek God, it made a difference not only in his life and his family's life, but in the entire country's life. He turned a nation that had turned away from God back to God. And in all the days of his kingship and life, the people served the Lord because of his influence, leadership, and example. And I want you to know that that can be you and your family. And you may not think a lot about family right now, 
because you're not married and you don't have kids and all those things. You're not thinking about your family, but you will have an impact on your eventual kids. You will have an impact on your grandchildren. You will have a legacy that is generations long. And Josiah chose to make his legacy a godly one. And that's what I want for you. I want you as a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old or however old you are in this crowd tonight to make a commitment to say, I'm gonna be godly and I'm gonna do what's right and I'm gonna serve God and I'm gonna give him everything that I have. And so as we conclude our thoughts tonight, I wanna leave you with some final recommendations that don't necessarily come out of scripture. They come out of the head of Timothy. So take them for what they're worth. Uh, They may be worth exactly what you you pay for them tonight. And it was free to be here. So take that for what it's worth. But I wanna ask you if you're a younger child tonight to perk up and pay attention for just a minute. If you're four, five, six, seven, somewhere in that range, eight years old, and I wanna, I wanna ask you to seriously think about a couple of things. Who's the boss? This is a question that when Eli, our oldest, was, was, was young, that we would ask often, who's the boss? When he'd try to disagree with us, you know who the boss is? It's mom and dad. Mom and dad are the boss. And when they say something, you need to do it. You need to obey. That's what God's asking. So who's the boss? Mom and dad. Say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And this is just my way. This is the way I was raised, but this is my way of saying be respectful. If that doesn't mean yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, in your house, that's fine. But I'm going to encourage you to, as a kid, be respectful of mom and dad and of the people in the church and of everyone that you're around. Say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Use some manners. Say please and thank you. Be nice. Be kind. That means a lot. Don't whine or argue. If your mom or dad ever told you to do something you didn't like, whined about it a little bit, argued with them, happens in my house. Don't whine or argue. Say yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and do what they ask you to do because remember, who's the boss? Mom and dad. Be sweet to your parents. Cuddle up with them. Give them a hug. Tell them thank you occasionally for what they do. Tell them you love them. Tell them you care about them. Love on them because your parents love you more than anybody else in this world. Good, godly parents love their children more than anyone else loves them. So say thank you to your parents and love on them. Share and play well with others. You've got buddies. You've got friends, people that you play with. Be kind. Share your toys. Let them play on your favorite thing that you like to play on. Make the other person feel important. That will go a long way in relationships later on in life. And when you're here at church, young people who are four, five, six, seven, eight, pay attention as much as you can. I know it gets long sometimes. I know it gets a little bit boring to you sometimes. I get it. You're young, but pay attention as much as you can. And try to listen for one thing. In the, when the speaker's up here speaking, try to listen for at least one thing. And talk to your mom and dad about it after church, about the one thing that you learned when you were sitting there and you were listening to the preacher preach or you were listening to the person at the table with the communion or when you're singing the songs. And when we're singing, sing out. You guys have awesome voices and God wants all of us to sing, including you. So sing out and give it everything that you've got. Pay attention. And if you're old enough to take some notes, see if mom and dad will let you bring a notebook and a pen. And as the preacher is preaching and maybe he's got a PowerPoint and he's got some verses up there, take some notes, write those verses down. Write the title of the sermon down. Write the name of the preacher down. Maybe draw a funny picture of him too while you're at it. That's fine. Take some notes. It's good for you because you're paying attention and you're learning. To the preteens and young teenagers. So in the crowd, if you're 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that age range, I want to encourage you in a couple of things. Treat your parents with respect. This seems to be the age when that gets to be a little bit more challenging. And we're in junior high and hormones are going strong and, and, and it's just, it's an unpleasant time sometimes for everyone involved. I want to encourage you, treat your parents with respect. Be kind to them. Talk with them and listen. This is also the time period where some of that listening and hearing starts to get more difficult. 
It's a lot easier to start zoning out and tuning your parents out. Pay attention. Listen to them. When they're trying to talk to you, even when they're lecturing you and disciplining you, listen and talk with them. And when you have questions, ask them. Remember what we talked about honoring our parents and making them more weighty than our friends or anyone else? You're going to have questions when you're 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. There's a lot of transition that's happening. A lot of changes that are going on. And a lot of other influences that are telling you a lot of things. Go to your parents as the source of information. Ask them questions. And I want to encourage parents in the crowd to be open and willing to have conversation with your children. Because you want them to get that information from you and not from other sources. So have the hard conversations and don't be afraid of it. Kids, go ask your parents. Talk to them about the things that are bothering you or that matter to you. Don't rush to get older. I struggled with this. When I was 12 years old, 13 years old, I just wanted to be 16. I wanted to drive. So all the people that were driving, that's where I wanted to be when I was 16. I just wanted to be 18. I just wanted to be older. Don't rush because pretty soon you're going to be older. You're going to blink and you're going to be 33 years old like I am tonight. You're going to be more than double that 16-year-old age that I was in such a rush to get to. You have plenty of time to get older. Enjoy being where you are. Enjoy being 12 years old if you're 12 years old. And don't rush to get older because it'll come soon enough. Be careful to choose good friends. Pay attention to the people that you're around. And if you have friends that are being a bad influence on you, talk to your parents about it. Get their advice and their wisdom. But don't be afraid to tell your friend, look, I'm not interested. I'm not going to talk that way. I'm not going to do that. And if that means that you're no longer friends with them, it's part of it. Go find some friends that share some of the values that you have, that care about doing good things. Find those friends and hang out with those friends. Or maybe that friend that you say that to, you can be a good influence in their life and help them to be better. Be careful about the friends that you choose. And memorize scripture and learn your Bible. This is a fantastic window of time to pay close attention to putting as much of God's word in your brain as you can. Ask your parents to help you. And even if they don't help you, you have the ability to read at this point and start memorizing scripture and studying for yourself. And if you don't have parents that want to work with you on some of these spiritual things, you have elders in this congregation that do. You have good godly people in this congregation that'll work with you and say, yeah, let's memorize scripture. Let's study. What do you have questions about? Let's study the Bible. Don't be afraid to open up your Bible. In fact, pay more attention to that than your phone and the screens and the video games and all of the other stuff that takes so much of our time. Make sure that you're doing that. To our older teenagers, you're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, 18 years old. You're about to transition into adulthood and be on your own and make decisions for yourself. This is the time when you need to be taking responsibility for all those things that you've been trained to do up to this point. You should be doing them on your own. You should not be 16 years old and have to have your mom to tell you to clean your room. Two years from now, you're going to be an adult. You're going to have your own place. What's your place going to look like then? Is it going to be clean or is it not? You've been trained. Apply the training. This is the time. Start taking responsibility. Making sure that you're brushing your teeth and you're wearing good clothes and you're paying attention to those things that mom and dad have taught you all along. That you're taking responsibility for your action as a young person that's about to enter into adulthood. Don't be afraid to go against the crowd. Part of taking responsibility and learning to be an adult is being willing to say no to a crowd that's going a different way. And there's going to be a lot of people that want you to do a lot of things. And you probably already had people encourage you to do those things. And I hope that you're willing to go against the crowd and not be afraid of that. Choose to submit to your parents. For me, this was the hardest period of time to submit to my parents. Because by 16, I was ready to be an adult. I was ready to make all my own decisions, or I thought I was ready to make all my own decisions. In my head, I knew it all, and I was ready. This is the time when it's hardest 
God is asking you to choose to submit to your parents and be respectful and honor them. Soon enough, you'll be on your own and all those decisions will be yours to make. But listen to their wisdom, know why it is that they want you to do those things and choose to obey if you're under their authority. Practice for adulthood now. Make sure all of those things that you project that you want, whatever you want to do for a career, think about that. Whatever you want for your family, think about that. And start making those preparations now and practice for it, prepare for it. Be the kind of person now that you want to be later. Be coachable, be open. It's real easy, because I was this way, I know, but it's real easy to want to stop listening to other voices and to think that you know it all. Be coachable. Let people work with you and, and influence you and try to impart wisdom to you. Your parents have more life experience than you do. They have more wisdom than you do. The elders of this congregation and the good godly older people that are here, they have more life experience and more wisdom than you. And if you will allow them to speak that wisdom and that truth into your life, it will help you. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14 and verse 12. Sometimes we think we know what is right, but we're headed down a wrong path. And our parents and good godly people at church are just trying to steer us back in the right. So be coachable and listen. And finally, I want to encourage you as older teenagers to get involved in the church and be a leader. It's real easy to make a decision to say, I'm going to sit there in the pew and I'm going to scroll on my phone. I'm going to zone out and I'm going to not really care, but I'm going to check it off the box. I was here like I was supposed to be, but to not re-care. And I want to encourage you to care. Start caring. Caring what God thinks. Caring what you can do when you're here to help this group of people. Because you can. You can help them. You can impact them. You can influence them. You can be involved. And when there's things happening, when there's a youth meeting going on and events taking place, jump in and participate and be involved and encourage those around you to do that. Be a leader. Stand up and say, yes, I want to be a young person that is involved and engaged at church, that sees that as valuable and important and encourage other people to do this. You're about to be an adult and the type of person that you're choosing to be now is gonna greatly influence who you are a year from now or two years from now or five years from now when you're on your own and you no longer have your parents telling you to be here. Be here, not just to check it off of a box or because your parents said so, but because you care about God and you care about doing what's right. Proverbs 17 and verse six says, grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their fathers. I want you to know young people that as you grow up and you make good godly decisions, there's no one that's happier and more thrilled than your parents and your grandparents. They love you and care about you and want the best for you. And when you decide that God is not important, and you walk away, and you stop coming to church, and you start getting involved in drugs or alcohol or pornography or sexuality and things that you know are wrong, there's nobody that's more hurt and more saddened and more disappointed than your godly parents and grandparents because they're seeing the path that you're on and they just want you on a better one. So pay attention. Listen, be the young people that God has called you to. Now I'm going to stop and I'm going to leave you with that. Now I know I've gone a little bit long this evening, but I appreciate your attention. Young people, you're amazing. You are awesome. You are special. God has created you for a reason and for a purpose. Don't blow it. Don't make the bad decisions that other people decide tonight that you're going to be, at whatever age you are, the very best that you can be and love God with all your heart. If you're here tonight and you are not a member of the church, we invite you, even though we've not talked about the first principles tonight, we invite you to make that call and to become a member of Christ's family tonight. If you're here and you're a member of the church, but you've struggled with something, maybe you've not been faithful, maybe you've not been the type of person that you know that you need to be, we want to help you to restore your relationship with God. Please come sit on the front pews. We stand and sing.